Welcome to Matt Noel Ministries Sermon Podcast. Feel free to download these sermons and share them with your friends and family. Thanks for listening. God bless. This morning, my message title is Examining the Scriptures. And some of you are writing that down. So praise the Lord, I remembered what it was called. It's called Examining the Scriptures. Turn to your Bible in uh, the book of Acts chapter 17, please. Acts 17. Open your phone, your iPod, your paper. It doesn't matter what it is, as long as it's the Bible, right? Amen? Acts 17. And we're just going to read... This story is about Paul, the Apostle Paul, and Silas. Silas was Paul's, basically his partner in ministry and fellow worker. And they're preaching the gospel... um, in Thessalonica, in this passage, Acts 17, verse 1. Now, when they had passed through Amphipolis and Apollonia, they came to Thessalonica, where there was a synagogue of the Jews. Now, a synagogue of the Jews was simply the place where the Jewish people would meet and they would read the Torah, which is the first five books of your Bible. They would read the Torah, the Old Testament scriptures. They would read of the prophets within this synagogue. In verse 2, And the Apostle Paul went in, as was his custom. And on three Sabbath days, Paul reasoned with them from the scriptures, explaining and proving that it was necessary for the Christ to suffer and to rise from the dead. Let's read that again. Paul was reasoning with them from the scriptures, explaining and proving that it was necessary for Jesus Christ to suffer and to rise from the dead and saying, this Jesus whom I proclaim to you is the Christ. You see, the Jews did not receive Jesus. Most of them did not receive Jesus as their Messiah. Sure, they honored God, and they honored the God of the Old Testament and of the Torah, but they did not accept Jesus Christ as their Messiah. And Paul comes into the synagogue where where most of them, if not all, don't believe in the Messiah, Christ Jesus. And he says, and and the Bible says, he begins to explain to them and to um, prove to them through the scriptures why Jesus had to die and raise from the, from the dead again. And he says, uh, this Jesus whom I proclaim to you is the Christ. Meaning he is the anointed one. Jesus is your Messiah, is what Paul began to preach to them. And listen, some of them, not all, but some of them were persuaded. In other words, they believed, they, they, were, they were persuaded to believe in Jesus being the Messiah. And joined Paul and Silas as did a great many of the devout Greeks and not a few of the, le- of the leading women. In other words, a lot of leading women. But the Jews, listen, the Jews were jealous and taking some wicked men of the rabble, which is simply a gang, they formed a mob. The Jews were jealous and they form a mob. Are, are you following me? He's preaching in church and the Jews become jealous that people are believing in the Messiah he's preaching and they say, come on boys, And they form a gang, a mob. It sounds like a movie you'd watch nowadays. So these dudes form a a mob, and they set the city, Thessalonica, in an uproar. 
And uh, they attacked the house of Jason. Now Jason was Paul's friend. And Jason was allowing Paul and Silas and others to basically sleep there and stay there. And now the Jews who are mad at the Apostle Paul, they are attacking and causing an uproar against Jason's house simply because they know he's been staying there. And they're seeking to bring Paul and Silas out to the crowd. And when they could not find them, they dragged Jason and some of the brethren before the city authorities, shouting, These men who have turned the world upside down. Some versions say, These men who have caused trouble all over the world have come here also. And this man, Jason, has received them and they are all acting against the decrees of Caesar. They're acting against the decrees of the king, Caesar. They're opposing the king and they're saying, um, they're, saying they're, they're against the decrees of Caesar saying that there is another king, Jesus. Are you following the story? So they're, they're mad because they're saying these guys are preaching that there's another king. But they're mistaken because no, the king is Caesar. And these guys are saying that Jesus is king. And they were, they were incredibly outraged and turned against these men. Um, for an example, this would be like people with megaphones and, and signs picketing out front of White House saying, You're not president. There is another president. You're not my authority. There's another authority. That's what it would be like in in today's term to get the picture. Right? These guys are saying there's another king. Jesus. Right? Are you following me with me here? And and it says that um, there's another king, Jesus. And the people and the city authorities were disturbed when they heard these things. And when they had taken money as security from Jason and the rest, they let him go. Dude, give me your money. And then, and then you can go. Right? So they, they let him go after they got their, their money. The brethren immediately sent Paul and Silas away by night to Berea. So they, they, they told Paul and Silas, you need to leave. Your lives are in danger here. So they sent them in the nighttime to a place called Berea. And when they arrived there, they went into the Jewish synagogue. Again. Are you, so they go to a new city and Paul's like, nobody's going to stop me from proclaiming Christ in the synagogue. So Paul, his life has been threatened. He's now in another city and now he sees, oh, there's another synagogue. I should probably stay away from there because they will probably be, react the same way. He doesn't say that. He sees the, the synagogue in Berea and he, uh, they arrive and they go into the Jewish synagogue. Now these Jews, listen, were, no, were more noble or decent or honorable than the Jews in Thessalonica. So that's good news for Paul. These, these guys aren't as crazy as, as the guys that you were just with. And listen, they received the word with all eagerness, examining the scriptures daily to see if these things were so. Other versions say they examined the scriptures daily to see if these guys were telling the truth. Pretty important, right? Many of them therefore believed the gospel that Paul was preaching. 
with not a few Greek women of high standing as well as men, but when the Jews, listen, from when the Jews from Thessalonica, where they just came from, learned that the word of God was now proclaimed by Paul in Berea, they came there also, agitating and stirring up the crowds. These guys hated Jesus, they hated Paul, they wanted to track him down and kill him. And they go now to where Paul is, stirring up the crowds against him. And then the brethren immediately now again sent Paul off on his way to the sea. But, but Silas and Timothy remained there. What a great story, amen? amen? Nothing was going to stop Paul from proclaiming the truth. And in the city where the Jews weren't as crazy as they were in Thessalonica, they received the word with eagerness. They wanted to hear the gospel of this Messiah that Paul was preaching. And the Bible says, listen, listen to this again. In, in, in verse, um, sorry, I forget the actual verse it was. But it says that they received the word with eagerness, examining the scriptures to see if they were speaking the truth. Now we notice back in verse 2 there of Acts chapter 17. Uh, Paul goes into the synagogue as was his custom and he's preaching the scriptures, explaining and proving why Christ needed to die, suffer, and rise from the dead. He was preaching the simple gospel message of Jesus Christ. Dying, bleeding, being put in a grave, being resurrected for the salvation of, and the forgiveness of sins. And, and ascending to heaven. That's the message that Paul was preaching. This is the same message that the world needs to hear today. It's the, it's the message, the, the one main message, the main truth of all the texts of Scripture that our world needs to hear today. And it's also the main truth that today's church needs to come back to preaching once again. It has to be the center. It has to be the core. The gospel of Jesus Christ. And the remission and forgiveness of sins. Amen? As if, you know, for instance, Romans 3.23. All have sinned and come short of the glory of God. All have sinned. That message needs to be preached. That all have sinned. We have all sinned against God. Romans 6.23. The wages of sin is death. But the gift of God is eternal life through Jesus Christ our Lord. Your sin will lead you to death. But Christ's gift of salvation will bring you into eternal life. That needs to be preached today. Romans 5, 8-11. God demonstrates His own love towards us in that while we were still sinners, Christ died for us. How much more then, being now justified by His blood, shall we be saved from wrath through Him? We need to preach that the wrath of God is going to fall upon this earth. The Bible is clear that one day God's ultimate wrath will be poured out upon all sin and upon all sinners. This is why we need to preach that there is hope for you. You need to confess that you are sinful and you've sinned against a holy God. You need to repent of your sin, confess your sins in humility before Him, receive His free gift of salvation, and be saved. Or else you will be under, and you are already, the Bible teaches in John chapter 3, under the wrath and condemnation of God. This message needs to be preached today. This is the message that brings freedom and salvation and liberty to souls. Amen? Amen. Jesus says in Mark 1 verse 15, The time is fulfilled, the kingdom of God is at hand, and Jesus says, Repent 
and believe the gospel. Turn from your sins and believe in me. In the gospel. Amen. This is the message that Paul would have been explaining and proving in the synagogue. It was when the scriptures were taught in church that people received salvation. Isn't that an amazing truth? People actually receive salvation in churches. Why? When the scriptures were being taught and preached. Not books and philosophy and man's interpretation of whatever they think God's word says. No, no. The scriptures, the word. Just open the word and teach and preach what God has written for us. And isn't it amazing that we see fruit from that? We see people being saved from that. Because the Bible says in Hebrews 4 verse 12 that the word of God is, a, is powerful. And it's alive. And it's like a double-edged sword where it cuts going in and it cuts going out. People need to be pricked in our hearts. We need to be convicted that we are sinful and we are not God. He is God. And that we need Him. Amen? And it's only the Scriptures that will do that. It's only the Scriptures that will do that. Now, yes, it's true that many rejected Paul's message and they became furious with Paul and with Silas. Yes, an uproar took place in Thessalonica and it occurred because why? The Scriptures were being taught. People don't like it oftentimes when truth is being preached. They, they will fight back with with angry words and, and, and try to justify their position when truth and scriptures are being taught. Yes, Jason's house was personally attacked and he and people in it were dragged out into the streets. Harm, physical harm came to Jason and people within the home. Yes, the scriptures being taught properly in the church. Yes, the scriptures were being preached, uh, excuse me, uh, properly within the church. When the scriptures and, uh, are proclaimed and the truth of Christ and His gospel message is declared, then it does truly cause trouble in this world or turns this world upside down. The people were mad because the truth of the gospel was changing the world. And they didn't like it. But those who received it we're grateful to God for salvation, of course. The Holy Scriptures in our Bibles are not just words like an average book. They are the very words of God. They are the actual words of God. And so if you're wanting to hear from God, open your Bibles and read. Amen? That is the primary way that God speaks. Don't look elsewhere first. Oh, God's not... God's not speaking to me through a donkey like he did in the Old Testament. Look to the Word. That has to be our primary source to hear from God and to find what God's will is. Don't look to man. Don't rush off to prophets here and prophets there. Open your Bibles and let the Word of God speak. It is alive and it will turn the world upside down. And it is and it still will be. 2 Timothy 3, verse 16 through 17. All Scripture, from Old Testament to New Testament, all Scripture is inspired by God or breathed out by God. And it's profitable for teaching, 
for reproof, which means rebuke. The word of God is profitable for correction and instruction in righteousness that a man or a woman of God may be complete, thoroughly equipped for every good work. Everything that you and I need is right in the word of God. Because every word of God in our Bibles is God-breathed. And he wrote it through men who were inspired of the Holy Spirit to write the Holy Scriptures. They are God-breathed. The Scripture is to be taught and explained like Paul did in Acts 17.2. 2 Timothy 2.15 says again, Paul is telling Timothy, Timothy is a minister of the Gospel, and Paul is his spiritual father. And Paul tells Timothy in 2 Timothy 2.15, Study to show yourself approved unto God, a workman that's not needing to be ashamed, who rightly divides the word of truth. How important in these days we're living in that we rightly divide the truth. We cannot take a text of scripture and interpret it of ourselves and what we want it to make it sound like God is saying. We can't do that. That's called eisegesis. When we put our own meaning, our own um, understanding into God's word, we pull it out of context. How crucial it is that God, God says study. And this doesn't necessarily mean you have to go to a Bible school or Bible education, but you can pull out commentaries, you can pull out Bible apps on your phone, you can get definitions of words in Scripture, you can break them down to say, God, what is the real meaning? What are you saying here, God? I don't want to be misled, I want to know, I want to rightly divide the Scriptures. Because God breathed them. We really do need to know what the Bible is actually teaching. We need to know what it is actually teaching. Many churches and ministries, unfortunately, are more focused on stories and just simply testimonies and personal stories. And there's a time for testimonies. There's there's a time for stories. I love to incorporate stories and testimonies and even some humor within my messages, but it will not and cannot come forth before Scripture. It can't be what, 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 what churches grow on. There's no life there. It might, our foundation has to be God's holy Scriptures. Many ministries are so focused on signs and wonders and miracles that that's all they speak about that's all they crave and all they hunger for what about god's holy truth what about the fear of the lord and righteousness and order within the church and the teachings in the gospels and in the epistles of of the order that god wants things to be done in what about that because that's god breathed amen and the scripture talks about, I believe it's in 2 Thessalonians, it talks about in the days when the Antichrist appears, that the devil will come forth in lying signs and lying wonders, deceiving people to think that this power is of God. And you can be sure that that lying power and that lying spirit that will be manifested in the days of the Antichrist is already being manifested because people no longer want the truth of Scripture. They want their own stories and their own meanings and their own desires of their flesh. Amen? How we need to examine the Scriptures of what God is really saying. 2 Timothy 4, verse 1 through 4. Paul again teaching this to Timothy. I charge you, therefore, before God and the Lord Jesus Christ. Listen, 
who will judge the living and the dead at his appearing and his kingdom. I charge you before God. What we're about to read, he says, look how important this is. I'm not just simply saying this to you. I am saying this to you before God and before Jesus. And the Bible says that Jesus in Revelation, when he comes forth, his eyes are like fire and the sword, the word of God is in his mouth. He's coming back to judge the nations in wrath and fury is what scripture teaches. And Paul says, I charge you therefore before God and Jesus Christ who will judge the living and the dead at his appearing and his kingdom. Preach the word. Preach the word. Not your own understanding, your own fables and stories and mythologies and all that stuff. Preach the word. Be ready in season and out of season. Reprove, rebuke, and exhort with all patience and teaching. For the time will come when people... People, men and women, will not endure sound doctrine. They won't endure it. They won't want it. They won't endure the sound biblical teaching of the scriptures anymore. But they will gather unto themselves teachers in accordance with their own desires. They will go from church to church until they find a teacher that will spoon feed them sugar. And sweets and things that will taste good and make them feel good. And there's, there's much scripture that must be preached that makes us feel good and edifies the body. And we leave feeling strong in faith and glorifying God. Amen? That's part of it. But there's also the part where we need to preach the whole gospel. That Christ will come in judgment and God's wrath will be poured out. Therefore, repent of your sin, confess your sins, and believe the gospel of Jesus Christ. Amen? But God warns us that these people will not want to hear that anymore. And they will go from church to church until they find somebody who's being complacent in not bringing the full counsel of God's word. And they will turn their ears away from the truth. And they will then direct their ears unto myths, fables, stories that are not true. Myths. Oh, but they sound so good. And that teacher brings forth, oh, he's he's funny and eloquent and his voice just sounds wonderful. But they turn their ears away from truth. And they put them upon myths, lies, stories that are false and not God's word. We need to be aware of this, church. Much deception and false signs and wonders are all out there. There's real miracles. God does miracles. God can heal. Oh my goodness. Praise God for that. We believe that. We believe the Holy Spirit needs to be alive in the church today. Needs to be welcomed. We believe that He wants to move. He wants to give gifts to His people, to Christians, according to 1 Corinthians. Right? Amen? We believe that. But we also need to understand there is great deception and false gospels in this world, and it's creeped inside the church. It has. And the scripture is clear on this. Galatians chapter 1, verse 1 through 10. Paul, an apostle, sent not from men, 
nor by a man, but by Jesus Christ and God the Father, who raised him from the dead, and all the brothers and sisters with me. Listen, he's writing to the churches in Galatia. This is a letter from Paul, inspired by God, to the churches in Galatia. He says, Grace and peace to you from God our Father and the Lord Jesus Christ, who gave himself for our sins, there's the gospel, to rescue us from the present evil age, according to the will of our God and Father, to whom be glory forever and ever. Amen. I am astonished that you are so quickly deserting the one who called you to live in the grace of Jesus Christ and are turning to a different gospel, which is really no gospel at all, he says. Evidently, some people are throwing you into confusion and are trying to pervert the gospel of Christ. It happened there and it's happening still today. Evidently, Paul says, people are throwing you into confusion and are trying to pervert or twist the gospel of Jesus Christ with their own interpretations of what God apparently is saying. Instead of just staying true to the scriptures and the word of God. This is Paul's warning to the church. But even if we or an angel from heaven should preach a gospel other than the one that we preached which is Jesus Christ crucified for the sins of the world, then let them be under God's curse. As we have already said, so now I say again, if anybody is preaching to you a gospel other than what you accepted, let them be under God's curse. Am I now trying to win the approval of human beings? Or am I trying to win the approval of God? Or am I trying to please people? If I were still trying to please people... (laughs) I would not be a servant of Jesus. Those are the words of Paul inspired by God. If I was still trying to please people with the message that they just wanted to hear that would make their ears tickle and make them feel good, then I would not be a servant of Jesus Christ. Paul knew he was called to teach and explain and prove, as Acts 17 verse 2 says, he was called to to explain and prove the scriptures of why Jesus had to die and rise again for the forgiveness of sins. And that was the message and still is the message that needs to be the foundational message of the gospel church, of the church of Jesus today. 1 Corinthians 14, 33, it says, For God is not a God of confusion. But he's a God of peace, as in all the churches of the saints. You hear that? 1 Corinthians 14, 33. God is not a God of confusion, but of peace or of order, as is in all the churches of the saints. Right? This passage in 1 Corinthians 14 it's talking about, it's, there's a couple of chapters about the giftings of the Holy Spirit that God, that the Holy Spirit will give to the church, give to Christians. And we believe that those gifts are still alive and at work today within the church, within the body of Christ. For the edifying of the body and for the glory of Jesus Christ. Gifts are not to be used for the glory of yourself. Giftings that the Holy Spirit has given to us are not to put a spotlight on us and look what I can do. Or look at the tongue that I can pray in. Or look at the gifting that I can do. 
Right? It's not. It's for the edifying of the body, of the church. And it's for the glory of Jesus, that Jesus can be glorified. And this passage is mainly talking about the gifting of tongues. And you can read it, 1 Corinthians 14 yourself. But he says, in, essentially he's saying, when the gifts are, are at work within the church body, within the church meeting, like we are this morning, God is not of confusion. And, and you see, there's, there's churches and there's ministries, family, where, where there is nothing but confusion and utter chaos within these churches. And initially, we don't want to, first and foremost, just judge initially right away. But if we line these things up with Scripture and we see that, wait, in the church, according to 1 Corinthians 4, in the church, God clearly says that there is order in the church. And that's why I love this church, because we want to use the giftings, but we want to use the gifts of the Holy Spirit in order correctly. Why? So Christ can be glorified and not grieved. But there's been, there's been men and women crawling on their hands and knees in times past, barking like dogs. And saying that this is of the Holy Spirit. There was one that I saw, a man, a grown man, crawling on his fours in church, at the altar, in church. And they had like a leash, a rope around his neck. And, they, and he was being walked by another man, claiming to be, this is the Holy Spirit. And somebody then says in the, in the commentary that this represents the Lord as our shepherd leading us. That is a blaspheme to God. That's a mockery that is full of confusion and chaos and nothing but flesh. And some, some, some sort of other spirit that is causing these people to act like fools in the house of God when scripture speaks otherwise. And this grieves me. I'm not trying to be emotional, but this grieves me. Why? Because it grieves the Holy Spirit. As I was studying yesterday, I was alone. My family was out. And I was, and I was studying and I was praying into this exact thing. And I cried out to God. I couldn't contain my tears. And I, and I felt kind of foolish. I said, Lord, why am I crying right now? Why does this bother me so much? It's because we want to see God glorified, period. We want to see Christ glorified. The church, listen, the church is not about a man or where, we can, where we can just do and, and say what we please. That grieves the Holy Spirit. We want there to be order and peace in the house of God and in God's people. Where God's true word can be preached and His true power can bring change in lives. And salvation can come to people who are, who are lost. Period. Amen? Amen. 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 Many TV preachers and evangelists, they teach a false prosperity message that God's only and main desire, His main desire, He wants to see you rich and prosperous and not suffering. And if you send them money, they say, if you send us a certain amount of money, then you will be healed of your infirmity. What blasphemy! That's a mockery to God. And the Scripture is clear on this as well. 1 Timothy 6, verse 3-10. to 
And you know all these passages we're reading, these are all scriptures inspired by God through Paul for the church. For the church. For the church people and for the church meeting. For the times when we meet on Sunday mornings. These scriptures are for the church. Amen? 1 Timothy 6, verse 3 to 10. Anyone who teaches otherwise and does not consent to the wholesome words, to the words of our Lord Jesus Christ, and to godly doctrine, is conceited and knows nothing. He has a morbid disposition for controversy and verbal disputes, from which come envy, strife, blasphemies, evil speculation, constant disputes by men of corrupt minds who are being destitute of the truth, and supposing that financial gain is godliness. It's right there. These are men who will say, if, if you are wealthy and rich, that's because you're godly. The favor of God is poured out all over you. You must be a godly man or a godly woman. They say financial gain is godliness. And what does Paul say? Inspired of the Holy Spirit. The next line after that. Withdraw yourself from such men. Have nothing to do with those people that say that godliness is gain. That if you're rich, you're godly. That they say, man, God wants you to prosper in your wealth. That if your bank account is empty, you're doing something wrong. Get right with God. That's not the scriptures. And Paul says, withdraw yourself from these men. But godliness, listen. He says, godliness with contentment is great gain. Paul corrects these false teachers who are proclaiming that if you're not rich, something's wrong. You've got to be rich. Send your money, then God will heal you. He says, no, no. Godliness with contentment is great gain. There's another scripture that Paul says, I've learned to be content in whatever state I'm in. I've learned to be full. I've learned to be empty. I've learned, I was hungry. Man, I was starving. I was rich, I was poor. Paul says, but in all of it, I've learned to be content. Because Paul knew it wasn't about just our own flesh and prosperity in our own lives. Me, me, me. It was about Christ. Period. And so godliness with contentment is great gain. For we brought nothing into this world, and it is certain that we can carry nothing out. If we have food, how many people have food? Is there food in your belly this morning? And clothing? Praise God, we're all wearing clothes. There's a little bit of humor to lighten up the mood. <laughs> if we have food and clothing, we shall be content with these things. But those who desire to be rich fall into temptation and a snare and into many foolish and harmful lusts which drown men in ruin and destruction. Powerful truth right there. The more money you got, the more sin you can do because you got lots of money to do it with. Right? Which drown men in ruined destruction. For the love of money is the root of all evil. While coveting after money, some have strayed from the faith and have pierced themselves through with many sorrows. I wonder how many people that have had Millions of dollars. They allow that temptation that comes with being rich. And it's not a sin to be rich. 
Let me just say that. Okay. Yeah. If somebody were to say, hey, Matthew, here's a million dollars, my, my response would be, thank you very much. I humbly receive and I'll use it for the glory of God. 10% of the church. <laughs> but money's not evil. It's the love of money. When you love money and you don't love Jesus, men are drowned in these temptations that so easily come. Right? And they've pierced themselves through with many sorrows. And it says they've strayed from the faith. They once were walking by faith, serving Jesus, but the temptation and the love of money caused them to turn from Jesus and to live for themselves and money. That's right in the Word of God. We'll be closing soon. Second Peter 2, 1-3. But there were also false prophets among the people back then, just as there will be false teachers among you, us, who will secretly bring in destructive heresies. They don't do it, they don't put it on the PowerPoints. They don't send a, an email to the church congregant saying, by the way, this Sunday we're going to incorporate some heresy in our sermon. They don't do that. Right? It would be helpful if they would, because then people could that aren't in the scriptures could see, wow, this is not good. Let's find another church that preaches the word, right? I'm, I'm just, this is the word of God. But they will secretly bring in destructive heresies, which is basically their opinion or doctrine in opposition to the revealed biblical truth. Even denying the Lord who bought them, bringing swift destruction upon themselves, and many, many will follow their destructive ways, because of whom the way of truth, who's the way of truth? Jesus, will be blasphemed, blasphemed. And in their greed, they will exploit or use you with deceptive words. Their judgment made long ago does not linger, and their destruction does not slumber. In closing, we must be like the Jews that were in Berea. We must be like those Jews. Why? Because those Jews, when they heard the scriptures proclaimed by Paul, they listened with eagerness. And they received the word, examining the scriptures daily to see if they were so. They received it with eagerness. Oh God, give me your word. The whole truth of the word of God. That's what I'm hungry for. And they would examine the scriptures to see if they were being told the truth. We need to do that. As individual Christians, we need to examine our scriptures, the word of God, and make sure that we are being told the truth. That's the only way that we'll know. Amen? Is it lines up with the truth of God's word. In closing, if Pastor Mike, if you want to hop on the guitar there. In closing, I quoted this earlier, but Hebrews 4.12, the word of God is living and it is active. And it is sharper, sharper than any two-edged sword, piercing to the division of soul and spirit, of joints and of marrow, and discerning the thoughts and the intentions of the hearts.
The Word of God is powerful and it's living. And if we just simply believe what we read, and it says in John, I believe it's John chapter 14, one of the verses in there, it says that the Holy Spirit will teach us all things. And, and, and we are blessed, as I said, we are blessed with Bible apps and commentaries and great Bible teaching and ministry of the Word. We're blessed with all that to help us to grow in the Word of God. And with all of those things, ultimately we say, Holy Spirit, you wrote the book. Teach me what you're saying here. And if, and if we're hungry and thirsty for righteousness, we will be filled. There's a promise that Jesus gives us, and I believe it's in the book of Matthew somewhere. But listen, Charles Spurgeon, the great old preacher, he says this, and I love this quote. He says, the word of God is like a lion. A lion, okay? Picture a lion. The word of God is like a lion. You don't have to defend a lion, right? That lion's good. He's, you don't got to defend him. The word of God is like a lion. You don't have to defend a lion. All you have to do is let the lion loose and the lion will defend itself. You hear that? I love that quote. That's not inspired by God, but it's true. <laughs> it's true. Because in Hebrews 4.12, we just read, the word of God is alive and it's powerful. And it will do the work that God wants it to do. We just need to preach it and teach it and examine it and study it and believe it and obey it. Amen? Thanks for listening to Matt Noel Ministries Sermon Podcasts. I trust you were blessed by today's episode. We'll see you next time. God bless.